Good morning. It's uh, great to have the opportunity to worship with you this morning and also to share with you from God's Word. I'm going to ask that you would take your Bibles, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 18. Uh, we are looking this morning at uh, a story, a parable uh, of God as a potter and, uh, uh, and us as the clay that God wants to shape and form. I, I'm excited about sharing this passage, not just because it's a great story, but because today this passage gives us hope that God is the one who is able to bring changes in our lives that we cannot do for ourselves. And I think all of us come here this morning with things in our life that maybe need to be changed. Uh, I know Pastor Jeff uh, today said that you were focusing on relationships uh, this Sunday in church. And there are relationships in our lives, whether it's in our marriages, our families, our children, our parents, even maybe at work, uh, the boss that we can't get along with, uh, relationships here in the church as brothers and sisters, God changes our lives so that we can have the kind of relationships that bring joy to us and that bring honor and glory to Him. God's power to change our lives is emphasized for us in this passage about the potter and the clay in Jeremiah chapter 18. I'd like to begin just by reading the passage. Verses 1 to 12. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there you, I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled or ruined in the potter's hand, but he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil... I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it or do good for it, then if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do to it. Now therefore, say to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord... Behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return everyone from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. Unfortunately, here's the response that the people have in verse 12. But they say, this is in vain. We will not turn, we will follow our own plans and everyone will act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. I remember the first time that I heard a message on this passage. Uh, the pastor was preaching the text, and over to the side, there was actually a potter shaping a, a, a jar or a bowl on his wheel. And so by the end of the sermon, the, the pastor had finished the text, but the potter had actually finished his bowl or his vase. I could not find a, a potter to come over with me this morning from Lynchburg. And even a couple of the kids in, in, uh, in the nursery didn't want to come in and work on their Play-Doh while I was preaching. But this is a powerful story, again, reminding us of the power that God has 
to change our lives, to shape us and to mold us. If you've ever had a problem going to sleep during church, uh, it was a little hard to do that when Jeremiah was preaching. Because often he preached to the people with object lessons and drama that made the message very clear to the people. One time, he actually wore an ox yoke and told the people they were going into bondage. And one of the false prophets got so angry at his message, he took the yoke off of Jeremiah, broke it in the town square, and they had a preach-off right there in front of the people. Uh, another time, God told Jeremiah to bury his underwear. And then sometime later to go back and dig that underwear up and show it to the people and said, this is what God thinks of you. And I think that morning they probably got the message. And here, Jeremiah goes to the potter's house. And in fact, he's actually going to go there twice. And through this, he's teaching the people an object lesson of God's power to shape their lives either for good as they respond to Him or in judgment as they do not listen and go their own way. Uh, I think this message of Jeremiah going to the potter, it would have definitely gotten the people's attention because the potter's house was a very busy place in ancient Judah. The people in that day, they did not have Corel or Lenox China or Waterford Crystal. They did not even have Tervises or $50 Yeti mugs that kept their coffee warm. They didn't even have Dixie Cups. But they did have lots of clay. And so pretty much everything that they used for storing food, for preparing it, for eating it, for transporting it, all of those things were made out of clay or out of pottery. And so the people would have been there. The potter's house was sort of like the ancient Walmart, except they had more cashiers there. Okay? And so everybody would have been there. So when Jeremiah went to the potter's house, it's like, well, what's Jeremiah doing here? What's he trying to teach us? And Jeremiah, on the first visit, offers them a message of hope. God wants to shape you and mold you and form you into the people that He wants you to be. The second visit, however was a much more negative kind of message. It was the message that the people have not listened to God and the only thing that was left was for them to be broken and shattered in judgment. And so this morning, I think all of us have come, we know there are things in our lives that we need God's help to change. Maybe we have tried to change on our own, to find a new life. I'd, I'd like to break out of these patterns. I'd like for this temptation that has a grip on me. I'd like for that to be changed. I'd like to see God do different things in our, in our church. Or I'd like to see God begin to work in our families. The message this morning is God can do that. And real transformation is possible. Because we have a personal relationship with a powerful God. Who brings changes that we cannot bring for ourselves. So I'd like to help us this morning to think about this idea of God as a potter and us as a clay. The first thing that this reminds me of and just comes to mind is that the picture of God as a potter just reminds us of the very basic, simple truth that God is the creator of everything. In fact, the word for potter, the verb form of that just means to shape or to form, and it's actually one of the primary words for God creating in the Old Testament. Isaiah 45, 18. 
God is the one who created the heavens. And then it says, He shaped and formed the earth. In other words, like a potter. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. God shapes and forms Adam out of the dust or the clay of the earth. And so God shapes him, forms him, sort of like a clay figurine. And then God breathes life into him. And then out of that, creates woman out of the man. Isaiah 45 also tells us that God shaped and formed the nation of Israel as his special chosen people. And so in all of this, there's a reminder. God is the only eternal, life-giving, self-existent creator. He owns everything because he made it, shaped it, formed it with his hands. Back in Jeremiah 10, talking about the gods of the other nations, Jeremiah says, these idols are nothing. They're like scarecrows in a melon patch. But our God is the maker of all things. And His name is the Lord of armies, God Almighty. And so, that's the God this morning that we worship. That, that's the God we just sang. He is able. Well, if God is the Creator, He is able to do anything and all things. That's the God that we pray to. And the God that we bring our concerns to this morning. If you come this morning with some heavy things in your heart and in your life this morning, that's the God who is able to work in those things. So the picture of God as a potter and a creator reminds us of God's power. But I also want us to think about the fact that it also reminds us of our worth and our value to God because we are handmade and hand-created by God, each one of us as individuals. There's, there's a difference between machine-made and handmade. Going back to Walmart, if you buy a machine-made quilt, it's worth $75. If you go to Amish country and buy a handmade quilt, it will probably cost you over 1000 And I want us to imagine our value and our worth because we are handmade and hand-created by God. God did not make us on an assembly line. God does not punch us out as individuals with a cookie cutter. We are individually made by God. And David talks about that in Psalm 139. And he says, God, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Even the days of my life were written in your book. And when I try to think of your thoughts toward me, I can't even imagine what they are like. Our value before God, even the days of our lives, written in His book before we were ever born. And if that's true, and if you are specially and individually created by God, it means that you don't have to waste your life uh, or spend your time being envious of the gifts and abilities, the looks or the accomplishments of other people. God has made you who you are to accomplish His special purposes and plans for your life. We might look in the mirror 
and see things in our lives that we would want to change. I look and I wish I could see those pictures where I didn't have so much gray hair. I'd like to change that. But I know because God is the potter who shaped me and formed me, I will never look in the mirror and hear God say back to me, I would love you more, or I could use you more for my kingdom purposes if you were smarter, thinner, stronger, better looking, or more successful. God has made us the way that we are. And I just want to spend a minute thinking about this issue because I think in our culture we all struggle with the problem of our self-worth as followers of Jesus Christ. We see pictures and images and commercials and everything in the world that is designed to remind us that we need something else for self-worth. But God says to us, I value you. Because I have made you and shaped you and formed you who you are. You are not just a number with God like the IRS or, or like human resources at work. God cares about you. And this morning, God cares about the things that are going on in your life. God cares about the issues and the situations. And even if you've had the most frustrating week that you can imagine, you can say, I can rejoice in the fact that I am fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Alright, so that leads us to the second thing. I think the image of God reminds us as a, crea as a potter. The image of God as a potter. That picture also reminds us of the continual care and the constant care that God invests in the lives of us as His people. And really, that's the, that's the key to the story of Jeremiah going to the, to the potter. Israel and Judah... At this point in, in the Old Testament, they have been God's people for hundreds of years. They have been in the promised land for hundreds of years. But in many ways, they have not been faithful and obedient to God's commands. They have not kept His commands. They have not listened to the prophets. But here's the point. God is still working in their lives. God is still molding and shaping and reforming them. He loves them too much to give up on them. In Hosea 11.8, the Lord says, How can I give you up? You are my people. God loves them too much to let them go their own way. And so like a potter who sits at the wheel and shapes, and reshapes, and forms, and reforms that wet clay until it becomes what, it, what the potter wants it to be, God is still shaping the lives of His people. And God is working in our lives that way this morning as well. This process of shaping and reshaping is exactly what the passage focuses on in verse 4. And I'd like us to look at that verse one more time. Verse 4. The vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good for the potter to do. So here's what's happening. The potter is sitting at his wheel. He's spinning the bottom wheel with his foot. And then as he sits there on the top wheel, that wet clay, he's shaping it, into a bowl or a jar for one of his customers. But in the process, as he's reshaping this, and as he's molding that clay and it's wet and still moldable, 
the clay is marred in some ways. It has a blemish. It has a flaw. The rim is uneven. There's a, there's a hole or something there, and the potter has to break that clay down, and he starts the process all over again. And it may have taken a second time, or a third time, or a fourth time, but eventually the potter shapes that clay into what he wants it to be. Now, when the clay is marred, the potter doesn't just get mad and throw it in the garbage. The potter doesn't just say, you know, I can't work with this stubborn clay. i got to get out of here. He doesn't stomp his feet and walk away. He patiently continues to shape that clay. And aren't you thankful this morning that that's the way that God works in our lives? He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't quit. Even when I sin, even when I fail, even when I go my way, when God's way is the right way, God continues to shape the clay. You know, it takes, it takes patience and persistence to be a potter. Maybe some of you are mechanics. <laughs> it takes patience sometimes to be a mechanic and to fix it and to make it work the right way. Uh, it takes patience sometimes if you're a seamstress just to, to get everything looking exactly the way that it should. God says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are His workmanship. We're, we're a piece of art that God is shaping and molding and reforming and reshaping and God is never going to give up on you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. <laughs> In preparing this message uh, this week, I read a little bit about artists and how devoted they are to their crafts. Potters are artists. And, and if you're an artist, you, you take the work that you do very seriously and very personally. And, and one of my favorites that I read about this week, it was a writer whose name was Balzac. Balzac wrote 13 and a half hours every day. He got up at 1 o'clock in the morning and began writing. And if you're a writer, you know what this is like. I, I spent three hours, I got two paragraphs, I feel good. Uh, the story that I read about him on the internet said that he fueled himself with 50 cups of coffee every day. All right, now, I later learned that was probably an urban legend and he only drank 20 cups of coffee every day, but still, that makes him kind of my hero. Uh, there was a painter by the name of Cezanne, and Cezanne, Cezanne said, I could paint for a thousand years without stopping, and I still feel as if I would know nothing about my craft. He one time painted a portrait he had the, uh, the, the subject come in 115 different sittings for this one portrait. And when he finished, he said, I don't feel altogether too bad about the shirt front on this painting. Now that's a man that's devoted to his craft. The sculptor who created Mount Rushmore spent 14 years carving into the side of a mountain until finally the faces of those presidents emerged. And God patiently continues to work in our lives in the same way. And real change and real transformation can happen in your life. Real change and real transformation can happen in your marriage. 
Real change and real transformation can happen in this church as God's family because God is the potter who has the skill, the wisdom, and the power to make those changes happen by His grace. I can become the husband, father, friend, and follower of Jesus that God wants me to be. Not because of me, but because of God's grace working in me. And as we're talking about change this morning and transformation, I don't want to come in as a preacher who says, God wants you to change, so do it. Get busy. I want to give us this promise that God is the one that as you submit to Him, God is the one by His grace who gives us the power to make those changes that we can't do ourselves. I can overcome the habit or the addiction that keeps knocking me down. I can overcome the temptation that I gave into last week. I can forgive the person who has betrayed me. I can learn to love the person that right now maybe I hate. I can grow through the trial or the illness that I'm going through. Those changes can't happen because of me. They happen because of God. And because God is working to mold and shape and reshape and reform my life, and He never gives up. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says this about us as followers of Jesus, being confident of this very thing, that He who began a good work in you will continue to perform that work until the day of Jesus Christ. And so God doesn't just save you to take you to heaven to forgive you your sins. God saves you to begin a process where every day of your life, He is shaping you and molding you to become more and more like Jesus Christ. Let me give you a third idea. I think another idea that is strongly reflected in the image of God as potter and us as clay is that the picture of God as potter reminds us of the sovereignty of God and the control of God over our lives. God is the potter. We are the clay. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that very much, but the relationship between clay and potter is a pretty unbalanced one, fairly uneven. The potter is the artist. He's the one who shapes and reshapes and molds and infuses his personality and his gifts and his craft on the clay. The clay, on the other hand, is what? A lump of dirt. The potter works on the clay. The clay just sits there. And the Bible uses that image to say it teaches us something about our relationship with God. The artist doesn't ask the clay for input. Would you like to be a vase or a bowl today? A pine tree, when it's cut down, does not get to decide whether to become a Christmas tree, a rocking chair, or a pack of printer paper. It's just an object. Tom Brady does not look at a football and say, what plays would you like me to call today? Or how much air would you like me to put in you? All right, I'm sorry, that's an old issue, but... Right? The clay, the pine tree, 
and the football don't get a vote. They're just inanimate objects. And there are places in the Bible that use that kind of potter clay idea for us. One of those, Romans chapter 9 says this, Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? In other words, God can shape you and form you into whatever He sovereignly chooses. He is the sovereign Creator. Isaiah 29. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed me, You did not make me. Can the pot say to the potter, You know nothing? Obviously the clay never says that. Isaiah 45.9 Woe to those who quarrel with their maker. Those who are nothing but pieces of pottery lying on the ground. Does the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making? Or your work has no handles. You know, the potter doesn't get feedback from the clay. And those passages are not saying to us that we are puppets on a string or that we are robots that God simply controls us or that we're chess pieces that God moves around doing whatever He wants. But they do remind us of who we are in relationship to God. God's here and we are down here. A young man once bragged to D.L. Moody. He was kind of proud of himself. He said, Mr. Moody, I am a self-made man. And Moody said back to him, young man, you have just relieved the Almighty of an awesome responsibility. Okay, and if this message helps no one else today, it's been good for me just to sort of think of myself this week as a lump of clay next to God. It's, it's helped me to be a little nicer to my students. We had some tests this week, and I just, a couple of them I wanted to not, like, no, you're just a lump of clay. Keep, keep working here. It, it does give us perspective. In fact, I was thinking of having everyone just turn to each other this morning and say, you're nothing but a lump of clay. Get over it. But I don't think that's going to work into the liturgy of the church in the future. But anyway... There's, there's a reminder in all this. God says to Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, and this is, again, a potter passage, clearly. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You hear what God is saying there? I shaped you and formed you in the womb. That's potter language. And, and I appointed you to be a prophet before you were ever born. Doesn't Jeremiah get a voice in this? Doesn't Jeremiah get to take an aptitude test to see what he's good at? And, and the answer to all of this is that, no, Jeremiah doesn't really get a voice. I, I need a potter here. <laughs> Jeremiah doesn't really get a voice because God appointed him before he was ever born. Now, I know being a prophet is kind of a special thing. But there's a reminder in that for all of us. I am not here on this earth to fulfill my wishes and dreams and aspirations or to actualize myself and all the... I am here to fulfill God's purposes for my life. I, I'm not here to call attention to myself. I'm here to help other people see the potter so that they can glorify Him. And as a Christian, God has double ownership over my life. God owns my life, first of all, because 
He created me. But God also owns our lives because He has bought us with a price. We have been bought with the blood of Jesus. And we are here to honor Him. And I want to bring us to the last lesson that I think we learned from the potter and the clay. And this is kind of an amazing thing. This is really the punchline of Jeremiah's parable here. God as the potter shapes us and molds us by how we respond to His Word. Okay? And if you've forgotten everything that else, else that I've said this morning, let me, let me just focus on that and remind you. God as the potter shapes and molds us based on how we respond to His Word. Okay? That's the interesting part of this parable. We just talked about the fact the clay is nothing but a lump of clay, a lump of dirt. It just sits there. But we as the clay in this story, we have a voice. The clay gets to make a decision here. And God will shape us and God will shape our lives based on specifically how we respond to His Word. And so in some ways, Jeremiah takes this whole idea of the potter and the clay and he turns it upside down and he says, you have a voice in this. If you listen to God, God will shape you in one way. If you listen in a different way, then God will shape you in another direction. Let's look at verse 7. If at any time concerning a nation or a kingdom... Can I go with this one? Okay. Is that working? All right, we, we just did that for dramatic effect. <laughs> okay, here's the big point of this passage. And in fact, if I can, I'm just going to walk down here and just sort of talk to you for a couple of minutes. God says, I'm going to shape people based on how they respond to my word. And if I warn a people that judgment is coming, and they listen and they respond to that, I will relent from sending the judgment. That, that, that promise applies to every nation. It says, if a nation. You know, the United States is not mentioned in the Bible. The United States is not mentioned in biblical prophecy, but that passage applies to the United States. If, if America changes its direction, God can show mercy to it. You know, Billy Graham said, if God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. We have a lot more important things going on in our country than just who gets elected president in November. But if America would humble itself, turn away from its unbelief, turn away from its injustice, turn away from its violence and its bloodshed, turn away from killing the unborn, turn away from its mockery of God's word, turn away from its immorality and come back to God, God will show mercy to them. That promise applies to churches. When we listen to God and we take Him seriously and put His Word into practice in our lives, God will shape us and mold us. When a church takes seriously what God says about prayer, God begins to do things in the life of that church that could not happen without prayer. And if that passage 
And that promise applies to nations, and if it applies to churches, it applies to us as individuals as well. This morning, all around the world, there are people's lives who are being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who are hearing, maybe for the first time, really hearing, Christ died for me. He was buried. And He rose again. And hearing that story for the first time in a personal way, they're turning from their sin and turning to Jesus. When you make that decision, God can shape your life and mold your life into all kinds of ways that you can't possibly even begin to imagine. And this morning, there are changes that God wants to make in your lives as you make decisions and responses to His Word. Those are the most important decisions that you can ever make. And if you're wondering, well, I wonder what that decision is for me. Whatever just came into your mind is maybe the thing that God is wanting you to change this morning. Where you will stop going your way and stop running in the direction that you want to go and really listen to what God says. God can begin to bring real change into your life. You might be saying, well, in our marriage it's too late. It's not too late. You might be saying in my life, well, I've run so far away from God, I can't ever get back. It's not too late. You've not run too far. Because God says, I can turn judgment into blessing. When people listen to me and respond to me. And I think about all the choices and decisions that we make in life. We make decisions about career and about money and about finances. I, I let my wife make most of those for us. And it seems to work out better that way. We make choices about our health. We go to the doctor and the doctor says, you got to do this, this, and this. We sometimes listen to what they say. But the, the real choices in life that matter are the ones that come based on how, how do we respond to God's word. Jesus used to say to people, he who has ears, let him hear. In other words, I'm talking about some serious stuff here. You need to listen to what I'm saying. One day Jesus is preaching about life and death and heaven and hell, and there's a guy that stands up in the middle of his sermon and says, Jesus, would you tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me? And Jesus is like, I I'm talking about the issues of eternity, and that's what you're worried about? He who has ears, let him hear. And this morning, there may be decisions in your life where just listening to God can begin to bring about some changes that you can't even imagine possible right now. God can do that. Now, real briefly, I want to end this by just talking about what happened. Jeremiah didn't go to the potter just once. He went a second time. Remember at the end of the first message, the people say to him, uh, well, we've heard what you said, but we're not going to listen, and we're not going to go. We're going to continue following the, the wicked ways of our hearts. Now, I have never, after preaching a sermon, I've never had someone say that to me. I, I respect their honesty. But they didn't just walk out and say, hey, that was a nice message, and forget about it. They said, we're not going to listen to you, Jeremiah. And as a result of that, Jeremiah went to the potter a second time. And this time, he bought a, a finished piece of pottery. It was called a bakbuk, a jar. And it was probably called a bok boot because that's the sound that liquid made when it was poured out of it. The potter was happy because at least this time, Jeremiah didn't just come to watch me, he came to actually buy something. But he bought the piece of pottery, he gathered the leaders of, of Jerusalem, 
and he led them out of the city. And as he was leading them out of the city, he took them by a place called the Potsherd Gate. And out in that gate, you went out, across, out of that gate, and there was a valley where all that was there was broken pottery, and it was like a dump. And, and that was sort of a preview of what the message was going to be like. And then Jeremiah led him to a valley. It was a place called the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, the place where they had worshipped idols, the place where they had built altars to false gods, the place where some of them had even sacrificed their children to the false gods. And you might say, well, they had some serious stuff going on in their lives that are not going on in mine. But that's the place that ultimately all of us end up when we choose not to listen to God's word. And Jeremiah stood in front of the people, and he told the leaders, he said, because you have not listened to God, because you have not listened to the message, when I gave you that chance, that first visit to the potter, that God would reshape you and rechange you, and you said, no, we don't want that. God now says that the only thing left is for you to be broken and shattered in judgment. And he took the jar, held it over his head, and he smashed it to the ground. You see the difference between the two visits to the potter? The first time, the hope, there's change, God can do this for you. The second time, we didn't listen, and God is going to break and shatter us. God gives us many opportunities in our lives to listen to Him, to respond to Him. If you've heard the gospel many times and you said, I'm waiting for another time, listen, today is the day of salvation. Because there is always the, there is always the chance that eventually we run out of opportunities. I have a, a friend who preaches this message on Jeremiah and the potter. He actually dresses up like Jeremiah. Has a piece of pottery, brings it out in front of the congregation, smashes it to the ground. I, I, the only thing I have this morning with me is a water bottle, okay? So I'm, I'm not going to try to smash it. But I, I want us to listen this morning to, the, to those, the message of those two visits to the potter. Visit number one. God, God wants to do things in your life this morning. And God will do those things if you will listen to his word. But for those that choose not to listen, for those that choose not to respond to the gospel, to choose to say, well, that's good for my wife, it's not good for me, uh, I, 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 I don't need that. Ultimately, those who do not listen to God come to a place in their lives where the only thing that is left is for them to be broken and shattered by judgment. And this morning, as God speaks to us, maybe it's to believe in Jesus and trust in Him for the first time. Maybe it's to bring about and to pray for God to bring changes in your life. Maybe it's to determine that you're going to obey God and listen to Him. Maybe God is calling on you to join and to become a member of this church and a part of the ministry that's here. Will you listen as God speaks to you through His Word this morning? And if you will, God's word promises us. I can bring changes in your life that you can never imagine. And as believers in Jesus and followers of Jesus this morning, we know that God will never stop working in our lives to shape us and to form us into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what God wants to do in our lives this morning. Will you listen to him and respond to him?
as he speaks to us through his spirit. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for just the power of your word. Thank you for the message of this prophecy this morning. And I pray that you will help us as God's people to take this word to heart. I pray for those who need change in their lives, for those who are crying out for it, for those who need help with their families, for those who need help with something at work, for those who have situations with health and just deep concerns. God, help us to submit and to listen to your word this morning. And I pray especially for those who need Jesus in their lives, who have never trusted in him. I pray that today for, that, for them would be a day of salvation. And as we come to this time of response to the message, I pray that you would lead us, guide us, speak to us each individually by your spirit. And I pray that, that our responses to you will be what you seek and what you desire. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.